My name is Jill Coyle, and from years of experience as a divorce attorney, I know for a fact that no one dies from divorce. The experts and I are here to show you how to not only survive, but thrive during the most difficult times. All right, welcome to another episode of No One Dies From Divorce. Really excited for my guest today, Joseph Gordon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. We met just a few weeks back, um, saw each other on a conference, kind of loved what he was doing and thought you would be great on my podcast. So let me kind of introduce Joseph so the rest of our um, listeners kind of know. So Joe Gordon has over 11 years experience in residential real estate serving the Salt Lake City area and is one of a select group of realtors who has been designated a certified divorce real estate expert, which is CDRE. In addition to his CDRE certification, Joe is a published author and hosts two 10-part podcast series, The 10 Biggest Home Buyer Slash Seller Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Joe serves as an ambassador for the local Chamber of Commerce and is recognized as a supporter and advocate for the local business community. His experience, educational approach, and sales volume reinforce his expertise in divorce real estate transactions. So I think this is exciting. And Joe, you're going to be, we have lots that we could talk about in this space. Um, So again, thank you so much for being on my show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So are you part of the Salt Lake Chamber? Uh, West Jordan Chamber, and then I also spent quite a bit of time with the South Jordan Chamber. Okay, I was so. just wondering because we're I'm Coil as a board member of the Salt Lake Chamber this year, and so that's something that we're diving into. So I still don't know everybody that's part of it. So, um, but lots of amazing um, connections and um, ability to meet people and stuff in these chambers. So, yeah, definitely. So it's it's kind of an interesting, um, you know, first of all, to be a real estate agent, which I want to talk a little bit about the economy and what's that's going so that people just kind of understand. But then to be the CDRE, which is Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert. So I kind of wanted to just know your story, like kind of get me caught up to how you decided to kind of go in that and and what yeah. brought you here. Yeah, for sure. So I... I- I've been in the residential real estate industry for 11 years, going on 12 in uh, January. Um, after about 10 years in the industry, I <clears throat> actually, I, I went through a divorce about five years ago. And so that kind of got the wheels turning and, and got me, you know, having that experience um, really got me thinking about the need for professionals in my industry to have an understanding about the family law process and you know, being able to read court orders and deal with these situations that you don't really come across commonly with just traditional real estate. And so um, about about two years ago, I decided I just was really interested in the, in this particular field in real estate. And I, I, I started getting obsessed researching it online. I, I remember I was in my garage running sprints on my treadmill and I came across an interview with a CDRE. Uh, her name's Laurel Starks out of Southern California. And I was just blown away by what she was talking about. It was um, it was just really fascinating to me. And so I did more research and found this group called the Alumni Institute in uh, Southern California. And uh, all they, they were founded by a group of uh, family law attorneys and real estate experts and all they do is train and certify agents around the country 
um, to work with family law attorneys and, and mediators and, and their clients. And so, so that was kind of where that came from. I, I, the more I learned about it, the more interested and fascinating it was. And, and now I, I love it. This, this is what I, I enjoy doing. So that's awesome. What do you think would distinguish you then from just, you know, a realtor versus somebody that has the certification or understands the divorce world? Yeah. So, so there's a number of things um, that I, I research that there are two or three different divorce real estate certifications out there. Um, this was the most vigorous and challenging one I could find. And th- this one was actually um, a very intensive course. It took six months to get through it to be, and obviously compared to a you know college degree, that seems like a, a short period of time, but, but this is a four to five day a week interactive thing um, being educated by judges and attorneys and really grilled to make sure that we we were very um capable once we gained you know we're sworn in as cdres at the end of the six months and so so because of that um and i i had kind of a basic understanding of real estate in the divorce niche beforehand but this took that uh way 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 deeper and so yeah, yeah so you know so for a lot of these i'll give you a few examples um for a lot of uh, high conflict situations, like for example, if there's a <clears throat> a TRO in place, or you know, a temporary restraining order, or a protective order, or if one of the parties is incarcerated, situations like that for a traditional agent can be completely overwhelming, and they're not sure how to even touch those. Or, or if it's just a high conflict case where maybe there are safety concerns with showing the house, and uh, the the party still in the house has worries about the ex coming or their friends coming. I mean, those things are pretty common in a in a, uh, a high conflict divorce case. And most traditional agents don't know how to handle those. They don't have procedures and processes in place. And they just kind of wing it and kind of try to do their best. And the challenge with that is, you know, people going through divorces, I, I know personally, from my own personal experience, are very vulnerable and have a lot of times trust issues. And one wrong email, one wrong phone call, uh, making the the parties feel like they're not being treated equally can absolutely blow up the home sale. And when there's a a court order saying, "Hey, it's got to be done by this date," and the parties are depending on that equity to start their start their new lives, the last thing they need is a an untrained agent saying the wrong thing or you know involving the attorneys when they don't need to and and uh, making it more challenging. So I hope that answers your question, but. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, the thing about like, I would say I'm just making up the statistic, but you know, 80% of wealth from um, a divorce or an asset comes from a house. And especially now, like right now, like there's a a considerable amount of wealth that is in a house, um, which causes a couple of problems. Um, first of all, when you have a lot of equity in the house, it becomes very, very impossible to be able to divide assets otherwise to be able to then buy that person out of the house. So the only option you have is to refinance or pull cash out of the house to be able to then, you know, pay off the other spouse. And the reason why that becomes a major problem is because not a lot of people can then qualify for the house based off of, you know, the additional amount that they have to pull out. And this was before we're going to get to the interest rate issue that we're dealing with now. 
But we saw, I mean, where these homes that people had bought in 2014, 2015, 16, whatever, even 2019 had $200,000, $300,000 worth of equity in it. And all of a sudden you're looking at having to be able to figure out, okay, I want the home. I need to now buy you out of $150,000. And it, I mean, you have to figure it out. So, um, you know, so the other option was to sell, right? Like those are your two options. One of the parties gets it, has to buy the other party out, or you have to sell the home. Um, so I'm always looking for real estate agents and loan officers that understand this issue and can really think out of the box to really help these parties in being able. Um, sure. And, um, and so the other thing that you talked about that is really, really important when selling a home, you have to have good communication because most people put both parties on the home, whether they're on the mortgage or the deed, usually they're on, both of them are on one of them, right? Yep. Which means to sell a home or to refinance or to do anything with the home, you have to have cooperation from both parties. Well, when you're going through a divorce, you hate the other person and communication is at its all time low. So, um, so if you're a real estate agent and don't understand that and don't understand what you're walking into when you're having to deal with this situation, it's, it's a problem. So it's, it's very, very true. I mean, and it really can be a, what could you, what you would think it'd be a very minor thing to, to, to goof up on as an agent can turn into a major thing for people going through divorce. So for example, I've, I've, I've talked to agents that were not properly trained that were assisting with a divorce sale and the, the order of the names that they put on the email the parties got upset about because one of the parties felt like they were always put second on this group email that was going out, updating them on their home sale, where a very simple solution to that is um, part of our procedure is we never send out group emails or group texts addressing one party first and one party second, because if obviously if there's a trust issue and someone feels very hurt, that can trigger them. And so everything is done on the same day, but separately so that no one feels like they're being treated unfairly or that there's a bias against them, you know? So, and that may seem like, oh, that's such a minor thing. But like I said before, people are so vulnerable and hurt going through that. They don't want to feel at all like they're being treated unfairly. And so just little, little things like that, I found um, can, can diffuse situations really quick. So one of the things is that um, in Utah, there are a lot of real estate agents, mm-hmm. a lot of people that claim they're real estate agents. And so I, I, I do want to just talk real quickly, like, what are your tips to finding an agent, a good agent? Um, I've got my agent. He's now bought and sold, I don't know, six homes of my husband's and I's. Um, he knows what he's doing, but like, but so many people don't know. They're like, oh, go use Uncle Joe. No offense, Joe. Because <laughs> Joe Gordon knows what's going on. But, you know, they'll they'll be like, use this guy and whatever. So I just want to know, what's the tips to finding an actually really good real estate agent? De- definitely. So a, a few things come to mind right away. N- the number one thing for me is track record. Um, you know, if I could, if I could have a surgeon 
I was going to have a heart surgery done and I had a, a surgeon that did two heart surgeries a year versus one that did 50 or 60, anyone would pick the 50 or 60 surgeon. And so the first, the first thing I suggest people do is ask their agent, how many homes have you sold in the last 12 months? Um, and notice I said 12 months rather than since you became an agent, because many, many agents in our market will keep their real estate license active. But the average agent in Utah sells 3.5 homes a year. And so the, the challenge with that is you'll have these 20-year veterans that say, I've been in the industry for decades, but they're not current on a lot of the contracts and documents and negotiating tactics because they're 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 in the field, you know, three or four times a year. And so I think that's a great question is how many have you sold in the last 12 months? Um I also think that expertise is a big part of that. So as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of agents in Utah. The, the biggest challenge with our industry is that the barrier to entry is so low. I mean, you can take six weeks of online courses, take two state exams and have no criminal record and get a license at the age of 18. Yeah. And and and, and this is actually, I actually read the other day that in Utah, there's actually a 90% fallout ratio in the first two years for new licensees. So literally one out of 10 will be around in, in two years. And so the challenge with that is you have a lot of people that are inexperienced, that don't have a track record. Now, I fully respect relationships, though. If I have someone that says, hey, my nephew just got his license. I really want to use him to sell my home. I tell them, hey, I completely respect that. Just make sure that your nephew's broker is heavily involved and find out what their track record is. How many have they sold in the mm-hmm. last Because, you know, if you're going to trust this $500,000 asset with your nephew to do him a favor, you can get into some hot water. And so, so that, that's a big thing for me is track record. I'm also, I think that the best marketing any self-employed business person can do is through reviews and testimonials. And so I tell everyone, Ask them for access, you know, where do I find your Google business page? Where do I find your Zillow page? Um, I want to see what consumers are saying about you. And if they have two reviews and they say, well, I don't usually get them, that to me is a red flag. You know, I want to see 20, 30, 40 at least reviews. I would say majority of real estate agents in Utah, especially, don't have a Google page. They don't even have a website. Yeah. I mean, uh, right. And they do it off of word of mouth or, um, but, but I agree. Like it's the other thing I would suggest is like, you get what you pay for. Like, it's just like me, like you want, you know, good legal advocation. You come to coil law. It's going to be, it's going to cost you, but you know that you're getting good quality attorneys. That's the same with real estate attorney, you know, um, agents, like if you got somebody doing some weird, you know, tricky, like I'll give you a discount if you do this, or, you know, you got to kind of like raise your eyebrow and wonder why, you know, if you're getting quality agents, you're going to, you know, you're going to pay for what you get kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to your point, when I meet with new clients, I tell them up front, you know, um, the two things people pay me for are track record and expertise. That's what you're paying me for. Taking uh, photos of a home and putting a sign in the yard cost a few hundred dollars, really. Um, the the two and a half or the three percent that you're paying are knowing that you're with an agent that sold just under 500 properties and um, 
you know, 97% of them sell within 3% of their list price. So you're paying for peace of mind, knowing that, okay, we're not going to have any major issues. We're not going to lose our earnest money. We're going to be, it's peace of mind you're paying for. And so I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, one of the things too, like with the market, like I said, is like the last three years, especially in Utah, and this is pretty nationwide and you know, all the statistics about real estate is that, I mean, we just had this unprecedented surge in, um, market share, uh, and market price. So the market share was low. The buyer demand was high. So sellers just cashed out. I mean, selling a house in 2020, 2021, and then the beginning of this year was a really great time to sell a house. Um, A lot of times what we saw though, was we, so we were in a divorce and we're like, okay, you have a lot of equity. And they were like, well, we, I can't refinance it. I can't afford it. And they were left with, but if I sell the home, where am I going to go? Home prices are so high. I mean, do you have any advice for those people that are sitting there thinking, I don't know where I'm going to go like with the market? Yeah. So I I think that it's, it's very easy to get emotional and and fear-based with real estate because of all the headlines, you know, the the fear always sells. And so, so I always, um, with my clients, with my attorneys, I, I, I keep it to the stats and the hard data. So everyone can know, okay, you know, basically this at the end, at the beginning of this last year, we were at this, the end of a 12 year, just terror of appreciation. So we've gone up for 12 years straight. Um, and in, in Utah, the 100 year average is there's a correction every eight or nine years. So we were overdue for a market correction. Um, so I think that's good to know, just, just to look at some historical perspective there. Um, last year alone in 2021, we went up uh, 28% just in Salt Lake County alone, which is just an, an insane amount of appreciation. So, so since June of this year, when interest rates ticked up in June because of inflation, um, we've corrected about 10 to 12% in Salt Lake County. So looking at that on a very short-term perspective, that's terrifying. Oh my gosh, we've come down 10 to 12%. Looking, looking at that over a, a at the big picture, it's actually, you know, we've corrected about half from what last year alone did. So, and in my mind, like you already have a ton of equity in your house. So that needs to not be the fear. Like these people that got, you know, stole the show and got to sell their house at top dollar these last couple of years, you know, good for you. We're grateful for you. But at the end of the day, like this correction is taking you back down to reality. I mean, my biggest thing is, is the market is so priced out of first time buyers. I mean, I really do like my kids are going to be living with me forever because I'm, they're never going to be able to, to afford a home, at least a first time home. And so, you know, the market correction in my mind makes sense and is a good thing. Um, People might disagree. Um, so, so, but the other fear is, well, I can't get into something else. And I like that you said that that's fear-based. I absolutely agree. Like the media right now is based fully on fear. Um, and that's what they want you to try to fear these interest rates, fear inflation, fear of this depression that we're coming into. And if you were to look at it as opportunities, I mean, now would be a good time to buy a home, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, yeah, and that and and to your point, um, I always remind people of real estate functioning in cycles, and so and and this year is a perfect example of that. Um, since June of this year, inventory has gone up about one hundred and thirty percent. So and and supply and demand, you know, will always work in correlation to each other. So the supply now is one hundred and thirty percent higher. Um, it, it, it's a great thing for buyers. And and interest rates, if you look historically, interest rates don't stay high forever because then that just slows down the economy. So as soon as inflation's in check, interest rates get corrected, uh, borrowing becomes more affordable. It's just a it's a cycle to it. So everyone right now that's um, going going through a divorce situation and is worried about what am I going to afford anything, I just remind them, hey, everything everything operates on a cycle with real estate. The good thing is right now you have uh, way more to choose from. So and so what's really common right now is um, a lot of because about about half my clients are buyers. I'm about a 50 50 buyer and seller split. And so um, my buyers right now, I've I've made it a point to educate them that we can get sellers to um, contribute to what are called interest rate buy downs. So there, there's, a I was two- just going to ask it. I wanted to talk about the options we have, and this is the mm-hmm. one that we've been hearing quite a bit about, which sounds like the most promising. So explain yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, so earlier in the year, prior to, prior to June, um, asking a seller to contribute anything was just out of the question. Uh, homes would have, it was common to have seven or seven to 10 offers on a home. They'd sell for 50 grand over list price. Like that was just normal. Um, now with interest rates right now, they're in the high sixes, low sevens, right around there. Um, a lot of people just see that interest rate and they think that's their only option, but what a lot of sellers are doing, including what I'm advising some of my sellers to do right now is to advertise, Hey, this is our price. We're you know, we're asking 500,000, but we're willing to contribute up to 10,000 for an interest rate buy down. So, so mortgage companies, um, uh, they will accept funds to basically buy the interest rate down for for the for the homeowner, um, and usually it's about two percent uh, of whatever the loan amount is going to be. And so, for example, if somebody is being quoted a seven percent rate, um, they can pay. Actually, just talked to my lender two days ago about this, so they can pay uh, two two percent, which is ten grand. Um, or the seller will pay that for them if they negotiate that. For the first year, their rate is going to be five percent. Mm-hmm. The second year, they're at six, and not till the third year are they at at that seven. And um, what a lot of people don't know as well is if interest rates go down to around five percent or less during that three year period, they can actually refinance with that same lender most of the time and get a credit back. For what they spent to buy the interest rate down, they prorate it. So I, I have a lender that I use quite a bit. They actually do that, and so it it, it basically tells the homeowner, "Hey, you, you have this rate, but it's not forever. And if mm-hmm. rates drop early, um, you can refinance and you know recoup some of that cost." So yeah, that's great. There's other options too. I mean, <clears throat> um, that you can do. I know that like if the owner has an FHA loan or there's a, you can buy their FHA loan. Um, yeah. So you're, you're talking, um, so some government insured loans like FHA and VA are assumable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're a great option. Um, if if somebody currently is selling their home and has an FHA loan at three percent, if if their prospective buyer can qualify for that and can put the appropriate amount of money down to make the deal work, uh, they can basically take over and assume that current owner's loan at three percent. Yeah. So and yeah. then I tell my divorce people, like, listen, you can rent. I know that everybody's like, I don't like to rent. I'm like, go rent because the economy is going to go into whatever it's going to go in, you know, and then it's going to not be in it anymore. And you're going to have a lot of opportunity as well. So um, renting for a year is not the end of the world until you can kind of figure out what's going on. One of the things that we are seeing a real big problem with right now is um, appraisals not matching up with actual what the house could sell for. And so, you know, we depend a lot on appraisals mm-hmm. based on the fact that usually one of our parties wants to keep the house. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, we're just based off of these appraisals and appraisals are all over the place. You can get three appraisals and they could be a hundred thousand dollars apart. I mean, you know, it. appraisals are ruckus. Sure. I, don't, I don't know the point of them actually but um so we're having problems with that because then we're fighting over what is the actual payout of the house and how are they going to do it um and then the second problem we're seeing right now is like with these interest rates so high a refinance is almost out of the question so Mm -hmm. you know we're trying to see if we can get 12 months 24 months to be able to refinance the house which Six months ago, you would never, it would be like 90 days close, you know, like, which was a possibility. So, so there are, we are seeing a lot of challenges now with this. I want to keep the house, but there's no way they can qualify to refinance the house out of their spouse's name, especially if, um, you know, you're the lower earner of the family. Yeah. And I going along kind of with what you were just talking about, I actually have had several attorneys out reach out to me recently asking if there's a way around that which um that what what a lot of them are doing now or several several of them are doing that i've talked to is they can um put language in there and i'm sure you probably already know this but you can put language in there saying that um one of the parties is no longer um responsible for the mortgage payment um and that basically gives them the ability to um take that remove that payment from their debt to income ratio when they want to buy another house so it relieves them of that mortgage payment being factored in and so that's a good thing but then the flip side to that is if the party staying in the house makes a late mortgage payment it would affect that other party's credit Mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's a good thing but i've had to have that conversation a lot lately is that you can do that but you're still liable on credit you know if if the in spouse doesn't make the payment the so. only way I can 100% protect you is if they refinance the na- house, yeah. get it off of your name, or you file bankruptcy. That's the only way I can protect you from that. So even though the piece of paper says it indemnifies you and that it holds you harmless, I can't technically guarantee that, just like you said. Um, but that is an option. Um, if we've got two, you know, working, you know, two adults that, um, can work, and I I have heard that that loan officers are able to find mortgages, but, and then to completely take away that house that was awarded to your spouse. So that's been a really good option as well. Um, I think a lot of people are just kind of n- like scared of the unknown. 
Like what's, what's going to happen? So, so what are your predictions or what are your thoughts with where is our housing market going with this economy that every day we hear recessions coming? Yeah. So is it with 2% unemployment, but you know, tech yeah. is falling bitcoins or, you know, cryptocurrencies on the brisk. I don't know. I, I really don't. The, know. the zombies are coming. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, because I, I have friends of mine that are agents in other parts of the country and we all stay in pretty close touch. And the thing about Utah that really sets us apart is our, our economic growth and our job market. I mean, people are relocating here constantly because of new job opportunity. So our unemployment, like you mentioned, is is very, very low here. Um, so what I have what I have personally found is that the demand for housing in Utah is still incredibly high. Um, but because of the the higher interest rates to curb inflation, it's just made it more challenging for for most people. So I it, so the good news is demand is high, employment is strong. Those are great things. Um, I think that from everything I've read, I was reading some projections from Fannie Mae, and they were saying that um, middle of next year is when they're estimating we should probably be low fives on rates when we'll start we'll see enough of a correction to make that adjustment with rates um because ultimately housing fuels everything i mean there's so many industries affected by housing and so um so that that's what i've been reading are the projections you know i i think that once interest rates make that correction all of the demand that's been pent up will we'll see a pretty big turnover there and we will see a big refinance boom because of all yeah. the, um, all the seven percenters right now. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, what uh, another, um, so you talk about a niche, um, boot camp. So, the, so the alumni Institute where I got my, uh, certification from, they have a niche boot camp. It um, my under, this is a fairly new thing. Um, my understanding is that that is an on-demand, it's all virtual kind of a short form version to give uh, int- people interested in the CDR CDRA certification and a basic understanding of what it's all about. Mm. Um, but the the course that I took, I mean, to actually get the CDRE was it, it was. It wasn't on demand virtually. It was it was pretty extensive and it took about six months. And mm-hmm. so I, my understanding is this is a newer development. I have to get more information on it, but from what I've read about it online, it's it's kind of to just give a quick rundown to potential CDREs. This is what we do. This is the marketing. This is kind of what you'll be learning. And that awesome. Kind of, yeah. Interesting. I was just interested in what that meant. Yeah. Um, I think that also, I mean, if we're talking to my listeners, people going through a divorce, if you are, um, make sure you have an attorney that understands um, real estate and has connections like I do with like um, Joe Gordon, where we can ask questions because language in real estate in the decree of divorce is very, very important. And I can't tell you how many times I have had to take a poorly written decree And I've either had to try to enforce it, which usually doesn't go very well, or I've had to try to change it, which costs you guys so much money. 
um, because your attorney doesn't understand the proper words, what is necessary for the real estate, and, or they don't have the ability or the know-with-all because they're, you know, they're cocky or whatever to ask. So, um, so that language is very, very important. It needs to be written correctly, depending on whether you're you're buying it, your spouse is buying it, or you guys are selling that real estate. So make sure that you um, are very aware of that. Um, and that, you know, you have an attorney that understands it. Yeah. I, I was just, I was just going to throw in real quick. I actually, it's funny you bring that up. I have a case right now that completely applies to what you just said. So the, uh, the divorce decree was written up by a mediator and it says the proper, the marital property is to be sold by such and such date. And that's all it says, but it doesn't address that the parties will need to agree on who sells the property, negotiate the terms, the price. It doesn't say anything about that. The challenge is that only one of the parties is on title. And in the state of Utah, I only have a fiduciary duty to whoever's on vested as an owner on title. And so they're having to go, now they have new attorneys having to go back and pay more attorney fees to get that rewritten to say, because from the other spouse's perspective, they're going, hey, it's marital property. I'm just as much a part of this. Um, so there's a conflict there with my fiduciary duty and how it's written in the decree. So they're having to do that exact thing, go back, get it rewritten, saying that they both have equal say in the whole process. And and it's no one likes to have to do that. So oh, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, and, and it's frustrating too, because of that fiduciary duty, it doesn't matter what the orders in the court says, you guys can go forward and sell the house. I've had experiences that with that, where we've had to put liens on the house and we've had to like run into court on emergency orders because yeah. they're listed in the house and my clients not being part of it. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a frustrating process. Um, but, but the other thing is, is when, when you have somebody like that, that picks their real estate agent, their besties, and they're cutting out the other person, you know, that's obviously an issue as well. Cause a house, you know, this, a house is like your most like intimate thing, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot, like you said, emotion that goes behind a house. My real estate agent tells me that every time he sells one of my houses, he's like, Joe, it's a house. Stop having emotion behind it. And I'm always like, oh, there's so much emotion. But but that's the same in a divorce. And there's so much stuff and like there's issues. And and then the real estate agent comes in and says, you have to fix these 16 issues before we can list. And we're like, well, who's paying for that? And where are the, you know, like who's going to be in charge of hiring the contractors and blah, blah, blah. It's the, It's a mess. So getting a getting a real estate agent that understands that is willing to kind of challenge it, but then yeah. is willing and understanding that they have to be very delicate and an equal opportunist when it comes to a divorced couple that they're married that they're they're selling their house. I think it's really important. Yeah, and that's um, going along with what you were just saying. A lot of the cases that we're involved in, they're not necessarily high conflict, they're lower conflict, but they they just want an unbiased, neutral third party that is going to feed them, treat them fairly. But those things, um, such as who's going to pay for the carpets being cleaned or the handyman to come out or the professional cleaning that's needed or the staging, um, even in lower conflict cases, 
those things can create some conflict where it's nobody wants to have to pay for it. Um, so that was one thing we started about 18 months ago is I, I put together a team of service providers that have an understanding that they won't be um, have their invoices fulfilled until the, the property sells. And so that's been super helpful because we have, I had one a couple months ago where the, it needed quite a bit of landscaping cleanup and no one was going to pay for it. And my landscaper, he, he knows how that goes and he was happy to do it and he was compensated when it sold. And so it worked out it immediately diffused conflict, which is, which is what we shoot for. So that's actually amazing. I love that. So Joe, what you guys are doing is just really important. And now that I've made this connection, you're going to be really helpful for me, my firm going, going forward in the future. So um, I really want people that are listening or, or for contact purposes, how to get a hold of you, how to find out more information so that they can utilize and benefit from you as well. Yeah. So um, best way to to reach us or to learn more about what we do is just to go to our website, which is utahdivorcerealestate.com. Um, that has all my direct contact info. Um, if we talked about reviews earlier, if you go to my uh, Gordon Real Estate Group Google business page, we have a lot, all of our client reviews on there. Um, also, if you look me up, uh, Joe Gordon on Zillow, we have quite a few reviews there too. So those are our, our top three. That's amazing. Well, Joe, this was really great, really fun to talk about. Real estate is always one of those things. It's like the best and worst part sometimes. <laughs> like, sure. Like it's it's because it's such a great appreciating asset, but then there's always so much complexities and issues with it. You know, everybody complains about their house until they sell it and make that money, right? Yep. <laughs> so. Anyways, it was great getting to know you and talking to you a little bit about this. So that's another episode of No One Dies From Divorce. Join us next week. Thanks again, Joe. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, follow, and share. I'd love to hear your questions and feedback. You can contact me at community at jillcoil.com. See you next time. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice. For listening to this episode, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, follow, and share. I'd love to hear your questions and feedback. You can contact me at community at jillcoil.com. See you next time. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice.